Welcome, dear listener. It's time for Re-Educating Dad, the cross-generational talk show with me, Big Tone, and my daughter, Little Tone. And if I'm sounding a little graver than usual uh, in my introduction, uh, it's because I think we are globally in a very serious situation. The most serious situation that the world has probably faced since the Second World War right now. It's the 24th of February. Uh, We're at the end of the day. Uh, And it was yesterday, I think, that uh, Russia decided to invade its neighbor, its democratic neighbor, Ukraine. Having said for months that we in the West were mad for that we were overreacting and that we were predicting things that had no basis. They were never going to do anything of the kind. And I think the West did something that it hasn't done ever before. And that is to be very transparent about the intelligence that it had on Russia. And it said, look, we know what you're doing. It said to the world, look, we know what you're doing. We can see that you are amassing hundreds of thousands of troops and armaments on the borders of Ukraine. And we know that you are planning an invasion. Oh, no, absolute rubbish. Emperor Putin said. Now, of course, we see that uh, the intelligence was correct and that they've invaded a peaceful democratic country. And it has very much the ring of what Hitler did when he triggered World War II, when he was warned by the United Kingdom and others that if he invaded Poland, we would be at war. And he did what Russia has done, having said that it had no intention of doing that, it created a false pretext, which I understand is regarded, is is termed a false flag attack. When you effectively, the the aggressor effectively pretends uh, that it is being attacked by the victim. And that's exactly what Hitler did when he created a pretext for invading Poland. And that triggered World War II, as all of you, I'm sure, certainly if you're my age, would know. So now we're in a situation where Russia has been warned that there will be very serious consequences if it takes this action. Emperor Putin has decided to do that anyway. And he has added chillingly, chillingly, that if any, if, any, if any part of the world does anything to interfere with his invasion, then they will face swift and immediate consequences, which is, which is to my mind and to the minds of a lot of the commentators that I've heard, a threat of a nuclear response. And 
I don't think anyone needs me to elaborate on what that might lead to. But it is an extremely serious situation. So this is actually very much a cross-generational matter. This is a cross-generational talk show. I'm a 60-something. Little Tone, my daughter, is a 30-something. And we have different views about things. And that has no doubt been very apparent from our last 76 episodes since we started this podcast when COVID hit and we wanted something to do that would enable us to talk to each other regularly and do something fun. So we decided to start a podcast and it has been great fun. But it has also shown up some cross-generational differences and there's nothing I don't think unusual about that. I mean, you know, you're born at different times. You have different views to your parents. And uh, that's perfectly natural. But I am very interested. I, I, This matter has been raised with a number of listeners, including my sisters, uh, who have urged us to talk about this because it's something that they don't understand. Uh, they, they'd like to know more about what's going on. Well, I can't pretend that I'm an, an expert in any shape or form on this or anything else for that matter but uh in sort of inviting my daughter little tone to just talk to talk about it she also says well i don't really know very much about it um and i think that that actually is indicative of how we've become in 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 the western world in the sense that we've slept walked into this situation um you know, there's been a lot of talk, and we I think we've discussed this between us as father and daughter over the uh, over some of the episodes. But uh, you know, there has been some talk of uh, not having nuclear weapons, throwing them away, not having a def nuclear deterrent. And I think that those of us of my generation who are a bit closer to the last world war, not that I was involved in it anywhere near, but my father was. Uh, I think because we're a bit closer to it, we kind of understand the, with a bit more focus the importance of having dip, proper defences because you've got to be able to protect your people. You as a nation have got to be able to protect your people against this sort of aggression, which can, of course, lead to subjugation and loss of freedom. So I'm now going to, having spoken for the last seven minutes plus um, I'm going to hand over to little tone because she didn't perhaps know as much as I've just described now she does know um, and I want I'd love to hear her re reaction and she always has great insight into things and I'm sure she'll have some great insight into this uh, but I'm I'm actually very much looking forward to hear hearing for the first time uh, what she has to say. Over to you, Little Tone. Um, well, obviously, it's very scary. Um, I don't think anyone's under any illusion that Russia hasn't been a threat for years. You know, he uh, Putin is often the villain in lots and lots of programmes, isn't he? Um, it reminds me of that House of Cards episode where 
you know, the president of the United States is trying to make an agreement with Putin and whatever. And it, and they use like war as a, a reason to scare people into doing what they want them to do. Um, I remember watching that ap episode and thinking it was a pretty profound, actually. But um, yeah, when I was trying to read up about it, it sounds very much as though Russia has made up an excuse to invade under the R2P um, mandate, you know, the, the responsibility to protect mandate, um, which obviously the UK used uh, when we decided to go into Iraq and um, under the, uh, the idea that uh, we, there were weapons of mass destruction, although there's been a lot of... Um, conspiracy around about around the oil in Iraq um again I don't know don't know a lot about it but it, it does very much feel like Russia is a is the aggressor in this situation and it does feel like this has been planned for a very long time if you look at the map in which cities in Ukraine are being attacked right now by Russian troops it very much feels strategic um it doesn't seem like some something's happened because of a, a situation in one area. It feels very much like a bulldozing of the whole country. Um, but I don't really know what the the answer is from where we're sat because I think that he is a very unpredictable character, and I think unpredictable characters are, are the most frightening because you just have no idea how they're going to react. Um, I don't think that you can just throw away nuclear weapons, can you? Once they're made, they're made. So once someone is in possession of a nuclear weapon, they're always going to be a threat to the world. <laughs> um, and I feel like if anyone intervened between Ukraine and Russia, it could be a situation like, Remember when we talked about World War Two, and you said that um, was it America wanted to 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 um, punish or hit the Japanese really hard, and so they dropped that nuclear nuclear bomb, and it literally melted people. Hiroshima, yes, yes. Yeah, it they dropped melted. two actually. <clears throat> they dropped yeah. two. Hiroshima. I mean, it was it was utterly horrific, and. Um, we we talked about it and we said, you know, our grandparents, my grandparents, your parents would say that that was the best strategic move that we ever made because it hit them so hard that it, it, it ended the whole thing. But it was absolutely terrible on millions of people. And I'm, I'm a, I, I would be afraid that any kind of, in, you know, intervening in any kind of way would result in that kind of a behavior. Well, the problem with that is the problem with that little tone is that. Uh, well, let, let's put it this way: when when the U.S. did that, they did it with the motive of bringing a very bloody conflict against a very aggressive enemy, a very cruel and aggressive enemy, to an end in one fell swoop. What 
of course, though, they knew that in doing that, there would be no response. There wasn't a possibility of any response. Now we're in very, very different territory because no nuclear power in the world can launch a nuclear attack without knowing that they're going to pay the most horrendous price for that. That didn't apply in the US-Japanese situation. They knew that they, there was no response that, that, would, that would be anything to worry about. Um, of course it was of course it was horrific but all war is horrific yeah but this um this wiped out so many innocent people not just people fighting but actual families all wars do yeah but it predominantly it's soldiers it's soldiers that, no, no, that no, boost the group no no that's not right it's not it's well it may be i mean if you count it in terms of numbers i suppose it might be um, but I'm not saying that I'm not saying families don't get hurt. I'm just saying that the percentage of the people fighting versus the people who are at home peaceful, you know, peacefully looking after their families or trying to, it, it's it, it seems to be a lot higher. You know, in, in, think about Iraq. In the when we in, um, intervened in Iraq, we lost so many soldiers out there, UK and US um, soldiers. But it wasn't the families that were killed. Well, it in was the UK because America. when we started the so-called, or rather, the Americans started. No, we we were involved, I suppose. The so-called shock and awe approach um, that was just launching, you know, widespread attacks on on a, on targets that would certainly include collaterally some civilian targets, and certainly resulted in a lot of civilian deaths. And in fact, what Russia is doing now um, is leading to civilian deaths. Um, they will they will target they will hit targets that involve a lot of innocent people dying, and they will not care. And uh, it's that is just a result of any war that that just happens. Um, the, the, you know, the, I terrible. don't think I, I don't think we need to get caught up in the Hiroshima thing because that's a sort of subject all on its own, and there are all kinds of moral implications. No, but I mean, the, the only reason I brought it up was the actual um, the the nuclear war. Yeah, no, no, you were right it. to bring it up. Yeah. I think it's absolutely relevant to all this. But here now we have a situation where we have a balance of you know the, the the good thing about a balance of power is that it avoids war through deterrence there wasn't a balance of power then america mm. had developed a nuclear weapon and they just decided to use it because they could and they knew that in doing so they would bring the war to an immediate end which it did it brought it to an immediate end and if it had not done so it would have gone on probably for years longer with all that goes along with that. Now we have a balance of power. And as I say, the, you know, the likelihood of a nuclear war is low because both sides, all sides know the cost of it would be just too fantastic. But actually, interestingly, nuclear may not be the biggest risk here. Because you remember the Salisbury attack, right? Mm. 
Yeah. Oh my God. I only just watched that, that, you know, the drama retelling of it basically on Netflix and it's so horrific. It's so horrific. And it does give you an insight into the evilness of Putin because he was, he was perfectly willing to have an indiscriminate nerve agent attack in a city like Salisbury. Not that it matters which particular city he chooses, but, but uh, weird, yeah. You know, totally I have a, I have an affection for Salisbury. I used to sing in the cathedral there, and it was close to my school. And uh, you know, it, it horrendous that that. Uh, and, and it's not as though it was the first time it had been done. Putin has ordered assassinations against people who disagree with him. You know, for decades. And it's just part of what he does. You know, it, he's an extremely evil person. But what a way to kill someone as well. You know, it's not like yeah. taking a gun to one person's head in the, in the night. It was going to wipe out potentially hundreds of thousands of people. Yes, and he was perfectly, uh, you know, prepared to do that, knowing that innocent people would die, could die, did die. He was perfectly willing to do that. So... That was a bi biological weapon used in a very, very small quantity. I think I'm right in saying it was like a perfume bottle size. Yeah, it was small. It was, yeah. So, you know, we're getting caught up. The world is getting caught up, is obsessing about the nuclear aspect of it. The nuclear aspect of it might be the least frightening, devastating aspect of this because... You've probably heard the expression, right? In times of peace, prepare for war. It goes back to Roman times, you know, that, that particular saying. And my sense is that Putin has been preparing for a global war, you know, because he, you know, for many, many years, while we've been worried about all kinds of other domestic and inter domestic and international sort of rather more perfunctory um, aspects of life. You know, we've been very focused on COVID for, you know, a few years and other things, Brexit and so on. And he's, I think, been quietly building up his military strength. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we've been talking about, no, let's keep cutting our defences. Let's keep cutting, 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 cutting. Um, and he's been living like an emperor. I call him Emperor Putin because he behaves like an emperor. You know, Russia. I just don't. I don't understand what he wants. Well, I think, I think that he has a wet dream about bringing back uh, the uh, Soviet uh, Union, bringing back the greatness of you know, and it, the imperialism, imperialistic aims of the Soviet Union. But it's insane in such a, it, it, you know, in a, oh, I just don't understand it. That is, it. That's pure insanity. Why would anyone want that? Well, it's, goes, it, goes with, it goes with totalitarian leaders, doesn't it? That's, that's what they do. They expand their territory. They expand their empire. But, but what's the purpose of having a larger Russia? Russia's already like the biggest country in the in the whole of the world. Well, it's it, fortunately, it's still a pretty poor country. 
Not that you would know it by yeah, looking at the way. It's pretty barren Putin... land, isn't it? There's a lot of there's a lot of um, almost inhabitable inhabitable space. But what what can be gained from taking over other countries and complete and squashing out other cultures? Domination. Yeah, but what does that lead to? Nothing. No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not saying it's a laudable. No, name. but I just don't understand. <laughs> like people are, you know we're more progressive more intelligent these days you know what could he possibly gain from having more space to dominate apart well, from i think i think boring world i think you're talking from the perspective of someone who's been raised in a democracy with full yeah, freedom true. russia is not that R russia putin rules russia with an iron fist, and uh, he he has passed um, rules there, legislation, I suppose. He's passed legislation there that effectively means that he's going to be the leader forever. <laughs> you know, his 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 position is really, and this thing that he orchestrated the other the other night, where he created his pretext for going in and saving people, apparently who. There are apparently people who have been subject to genocide, he says. He made out that Ukraine was some kind of Nazi regime. Yeah, uh, I know that. Right. And and uh, this meeting that he had, he made this sort of rambling presentation um, that created this kind of pretext. But it was quite clear and from looking at it. He had all these puppet politicians that are sort of in his, I don't know, cabinet, I suppose, who were making speeches, you know, that, that naturally all agreed with with him. It's a, it's quite sort of very chilling thing to watch, really. You know, a to, a dictator at, at work in that way. Um, and of course, this has nothing to do with the Russian people. The Russian people, of course, you know, they only know what they're told, and they they believe he's made out that NATO. You know, which NATO is a is a peacekeeper. NATO isn't an aggressor. NATO's, it, you know, what NATO does is get is a you know committee of allies that so that countries can protect each other against exactly this kind of aggression. And yet he makes out that NATO is some kind of you know has some kind of designs on on invading invading Russia and and gives his people that perspective mm. so anyway it's it it's um you know it is it is a very very worrying situation and you know our initial response to it i'm afraid is pretty pathetic i mean you know yesterday was it boris announced a whole set of financial sanctions which clearly he putin had already priced into what he was doing because it hasn't altered his approach one iota. If anything, it's made him... What it, do sanctions mean? Sanctions means financial punishments. Uh, like, you know, they Boris has announced a whole list of Russian banks that nobody's ever heard of that operate in the, the UK that won't be allowed to effectively do business. Um, he's announced that lots of Ru Russian billionaires oligarchs 
who've bought up all kinds of assets in in London and have money in London will have all their assets frozen. How's that going to affect Putin? Well, he doesn't care about that, does he? Uh, well, clearly not. You know, one of the things that they you know, and what they've done is they've held back other sanctions or all financial held back other financial sanctions hoping that the the initial um, group of sanctions will have some effect which they clearly haven't um, I think the, the most potent one I've heard is to remove Russia from the swift bank payment system which would which would be damaging for them because that's the way that people send money internationally. And if they can't do that, they can't buy things and they can't receive money. Uh, so that would be something that, that is worth doing. But at the end of the day, we've got to ask ourselves, if he goes further, what are we going to do? You know, that, that has to be faced up to. You can't just rely on nothing else but financial penalties. Hasn't he um, done this before? Yes, the Crimea. He did pretty much the same thing. And as a result of it, it the, the, the uh, state was subjugated. It was annexed to Russia. And that's his intention here. To make, to make Ukraine, or to make Ukraine once again part of Russia. But the problem with that is, because it might be tempting to say, oh, well, let him do it. Because we can't, you know, we don't have an effective way of stopping him. But the problem with that is, where does it stop? Once you let we'll him, again, yeah. Yeah, he just goes on doing it. And you can see the way he is. I mean, he's, you know, he, he does really give all the impression, give all the signals out of being a, like an, acting like an emperor. He lives like an emperor. You know, he's, he has very, po the, the population of the people of Russia are, are poor, they're suffering. But he lives like an Egyptian pharaoh. Yeah, it's worrying, it's very scary. But I can't really see the UK doing much more, can they? Well, I'm not going to do much. I hope. I hope we do, and we, we can't do it alone, that's for certain. What Which begs you to wonder why this Brexit thing has be benefited us in any way. Well, I, let's not talk about that. <laughs> oh, I thought you'd say that. Because <laughs> we have different views on that. <laughs> yeah, but, but at least um, when we were part of the EU, we were part of something that, you know... Well, th th that has had zero effect on that. Um, we, we're st we are still, you know, you can see, actually, if there's one thing that's good to see out of this, it's good to see us all coming together, not only across Europe, across the free world, not only that, but within Parliament. I mean, people who get up and essentially show very clearly that they hate each other every day of the week, they are, you know, they're, they're they're getting up and they're giving wholehearted support to what Boris is doing. And that's what we need. We don't, what we don't need is division amongst our own ranks because that just plays into Putin's hands. But the thing that Putin fears most is democracy because the people of Ukraine in saying, 
we don't want to be any a part of Russia. Us, us, they we want to be a democratic society. That's what he fears happening in Russia. Because once his own people get that taste, as as happens everywhere, doesn't it? it happens in China. You know, people. You know, the, when when tennis players came from Russia, what did they do? They defected. Ballet dancers, sports people of all all colors. You know, they 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 come. They they get to leave Russia because the Russians want them to do well. But then they say, I don't want. You know, I want to be in a free society. I want to go and live in America. And that's what they fear, because that's that's what this is his way of clinging on to his emperorship by not letting the people have have knowledge and have a true say in the way that they're governed. Uh, but like sorry, say that again. A bit like Korea. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, bit bit like China. Yeah. So it is, you know, it is it is a very very frightening situation that we face right now. And uh, the the thing that I would say is, it's, I suppose, a little bit to your Brexit point is we have to stand together. You know, we have to, we absolutely have to work together. The free world has to come together and work together. Uh, uh, to resist this, so I'm going to leave. I've talked far too much today. I'm going to leave the final word to you, little tone. Um, I'm sure everyone's feeling very scared and sad today, and I think that all we can do is show some love and kindness to one and one another, and uh, that's what we need to do right now. Yes. I completely agree with you. And it's lovely to see you. And you. And uh, we won't tell our audience what we mean by this, but you've really got to start eating into that 20. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I estimated <laughs> that we might, we might, if we're lucky, get together another 20 times. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay, okay. And, since, and when I told you that, you said, oh, no, no, no. Right, I'm going to have one a month. <laughs> I'm going to see you once a month. <laughs> How many times so far? None. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Just been right. shamed online. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Anyway, I love you. And uh, <laughs> to all our listeners, uh, I hope that wasn't too sad, that episode. It was a bit grim, wasn't it? Do let us have your feedback. I'm sure there are other people, uh, with, uh, sorry, I should say, I'm sure there are people amongst our audience who have a different perspective, uh, and we would love to hear that. Um, we'd love to hear all, all opinions. So go to our Facebook page, Reeducating Dad. Um, tell us what you think, either privately or openly if you want to do that uh, go to our youtube channel re-educating dad and make comments there you can actually watch us doing this as blah, live re-educating dad share <laughs> like do all those stuff because it really helps us so thanks again but for now as always it's goodbye from me goodbye from me bye everyone
you next time.